Hey friends, welcome to the Taking Your Next Step podcast from Collegians for Christ. Through each episode, we will journey together focusing on becoming better followers of Jesus. If you are eager, like I am, to follow Jesus Christ, then take your next step now by joining us in today's episode. So we're wrapping up our study here on the topic of abortion, and we're going to dive into some specific questions that people ask uh, on our next two to three episodes. And we should be done, and we'll move on to a different uh, topic in our uh, studies here. Uh, But we've talked about the idea that people are going to have questions when it comes to abortion, and we need to be ready to answer their questions, even if we don't know the answer. You say, well, how do you answer a question that you don't know the answer to? Well, to me, this always provides a follow-up opportunity. What do I mean? I think the best thing to do is always be honest when you don't have when you don't know the answer or have the answer. Um, hey, that's a great question. It's one I've thought about, but I've never really thought all the way through. Do you mind if we I get back to you? Whether it's at work, whether you can grab a cup of coffee with a person, whether you know you're ministering out on a college campus and you want to try to do a follow up or come back to their door, whatever it is. But this is an opportunity for follow up. And so, if it's a question you don't know the answer to, don't be scared. Be honest, and then go find the answer. There's plenty of people, resources, reach out to us, so forth. We can talk with you through it, and you can go back to them and begin to engage them with that. Now, as we answer their questions, we must remember a few things. I've mentioned these, but just real quickly, our goal is to engage, not to silence. Now, here we're answering their questions, and so we can be passionate, and sometimes we can begin to just fill their ear with stuff. Uh, So we have to be very careful that we're not just trying to silence them. We're trying to engage them. We're trying to dialogue to allow them to continue to give input. Um, We want to engage engage them with tr- uh, with the truth and love and compassion. Uh, but we want to use open-ended questions as we do this. What I mean, this is very crucial as we answer some of these questions, we're going to answer their questions with questions. What do you mean? We're going to try to get them to think through uh, the logical implications of what they're saying. We're going to try to ask them questions so that they will answer the question for themselves. Yes, I can declare truth to them. I can tell them this is what it is. But when I can ask questions, as we've talked about, and get them to think through and make them or really force them to answer their own question about an issue, sometimes it's well received or it's received better than me just telling them, hey, you're wrong and this is right. I want to get them to think through. So we're engaging them through that. And ultimately, we're trying to bring clarity to the issue of life here and to help them to think through what they're thinking. Our verse has been 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And so we understand our goal here is to identify and remove the mental blocker. Uh, And answering the question, that question may be the mental blocker. And so we're trying to remove that so that the truth of God's word can shine in unto them. So what is our first question here? Our first question is this, and it's a tough one. Uh, Shouldn't abortion be allowed in the cases of rape and incest? Now, this is one that is very, uh, has a very emotional appeal to it, has emotional ties to it, because obviously a situation of rape or incest is a very violent situation that someone has gone under. So really the the thing here that undergirds it is this. If she gives birth to a baby, it will be a harmful reminder of what happened to her. So in the case of rape and incest, that's kind of what's being implied here. If if she has the baby, it's just going to be a terrible reminder for the rest of her life of that situation of rape or incest or whatever it is. And I say as somebody says that, that it's a harmful reminder, absolutely you are right. We don't want to be cold and look past that. We can agree there. 
looking at the child may have painful memories. Absolutely. And it, it would be foolish for us to say that she wouldn't. But I think the question here that we really need to get down to and help them to see, because this is really what it's at the root of it, is it okay to kill someone to prevent another from feeling bad or to make someone else feel better? That's really what the question is. Is it okay to kill someone else to prevent another from feeling bad or having those harmful reminders of what happened or to make someone else feel better? And a great way to do that is to drag in the toddler. Remember, we talked about that. So you could ask a question like this. Let me just pose a question to you, and you tell me what you think. If the mother of a toddler from rape is on antidepressant medicine and seeing the child causes her to become depressed, is it okay to kill the child? And they, 99% of the time, will say, well, absolutely not. I mean, that's a toddler, that's a three- or four-year-old, and uh, no way. Then why is it any different when the baby's in the womb. And then you're going to find out where you go from there. You see, we must remember the principles that we've established. We have established that life begins at conception. When the 23 chromosomes, 23 chromosomes, they come together to make the zygote. Right there is life. We've established that the unborn is a distinct, living, whole human being, regardless of how it is conceived. And then sin is in the world. And absolutely, sin has awful consequences on both the innocent and on the guilty. So therefore, regardless of how the conception occurs, rape, incest, the unborn is still a distinct, living, whole human being. And to choose abortion would be what? It would be the killing of this child. And so that's why it's very important in emotional situations like this question is to have a foundation already established for ourselves, one, because it's very easy for a Christian to say, well, gosh, man, I mean, in a situation of rape and incest, absolutely. I mean, I think I just saw a news article where Walmart was uh, allowing uh, their health care to cover certain forms of of abortion. And one of those was rape and incest, uh, one of those conditions. But we must remember our principles that we base and remember our worldview, how we view everything. That's what we're using as our principles. So consider, you could ask the person, consider these questions, uh, consider these questions with me to help you to put it in the right perspective is what we're trying to do here. So should we punish an innocent child for the evil of the father? What do you mean? Well, say the man raped the woman. Should we punish that child for the sin of the father? No, absolutely not. They shouldn't be responsible for the sin of that man. So why is it different for the unborn then? Remember, the unborn is a whole, living, distinct human being. Uh, Does the murder of the unborn correct a rape? Well, Well, no, we don't want to use one evil to try to correct another evil. Well, abortion would be a second act of violence. You're getting them to think through these other situations. Should we tell someone who was conceived in violence that they do not have the right to live, that they their life does not matter? Well, absolutely not. So why would we do that to the unborn? You see, we don't discriminate, right, based on parentage. And we also need to remember one other thing here, which is, to me, very important as we consider this question, is that roughly less than, really, 1% of abortions that had, were conducted were because of rape or incest. So this reveals to me, this is not really the real issue at the heart of the conversation. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen, and it doesn't mean we don't need to have an answer and to think through it. But what it means to me is if people are bringing this to you, there are going to be two types of people. They're going to be either curious about it, 
because they really want to know the answer. They want to help to th- get you to help them to think through it, or they're going to be crusaders who are just trying to make you look bad by pulling up the greatest emotional appeal and saying, you're just wrong, you're wicked, you're evil, you don't have any feelings, you're cold, you would allow a woman to go through with this and then, but we have to go back to our principles and allow our principles of truth to determine uh, our answer to this question. And on the hind side of that, uh, there are many pro-life pregnancy centers ready to help women walk through this very situation situation. That brings us to our second question. Doesn't a woman have a right to her own body? You hear this all the time, my body, my choice. And I say, absolutely. A woman does have a right to choose whether to have a baby or not. But this right should be made before conception, not after. Yes, she has a right to choose. She has a right to her body to choose whether she wants to have a baby, but it must be made before conception, not after. Why is that? After conception, there is the right of another human being in play. It's not just her body only. There is now in play the body of another person. So there is the right of another human being to their body that's now involved. Of course, you have a right to control your own body, but not if you kill another human being in the process. And so here you can say, hey, uh, let me ask you a question. And you can ask some questions, try to get it in a different perspective. Would you agree that all people should have equal rights? Absolutely, I do. Well, why does one person's right trump another person's right? What do you mean? You're saying that the woman who uh, desires to have the abortion, her right overarches or trumps the right of the other human being. Now, if that's the case, wouldn't that be inequality? You're saying she has more right than the unborn? Well, yeah, I kind of see what you're talking about there. You see, every human being has the right to life. Would you agree with that? Well, yes, I absolutely do. Well, since the unborn is a distinct living whole human being, a mother does not have the right to take the baby's life. The unborn has the right to life. And you can think about these two scenarios. A man who chooses not to care for his child is called a deadbeat dad in our society. Yet a mother who kills her child by abortion is simply pro-choice. Think about that. Now, a physician has an ethical mandate not to prescribe medicine that would harm the fetus inside the mother, yet a mother can ethically choose to kill the unborn. Where's the flaw in that? So here a physician has this ethical mandate on him that if he is to hurt or harm the fetus inside of a mother, that he could be legally charged. I mean, it could be uh, it could be a uh, legal uh, criminal action. Yet, a mother can ethically choose to kill the unborn. The, the, the logic's not there. The thinking is not consistent. And so that's the two first questions. We have six more questions we want to look at over the next two episodes. We're going to look at, doesn't the Bible justify abortion since it's silent on the issue? Uh, you shouldn't push your beliefs on other women. is in the Supreme Court setting women back and taking them back to when? Back in the 17, 16, 1500s. What about embryonic stem cell research? We'll talk about those in the next two episodes. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please share it with a friend or subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can connect with Collegians for Christ online for more information and resources at cfccampusministry.com.